Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
have the Friends of Distinction there, and that is You're Gonna Make It. So welcome along to Log and Stock here on the Face Radio, and what is our final show of the year. This week, we are doing a bit of a yearbook edition of the show, where we're going to be playing you some interviews and tracks from the year, and also play some other great music in between as well. But in the next couple of hours, you'll hear interviews from the likes of Delvon Lamar from the Delvon Lamar Organ Trio, going to talk to Seth again from the Ghost Funk Orchestra, Young Gun Silver Fox, and many others. But up next, going to play you a track from one of my favourite albums, come out at the end of last year but a little bit into the beginning of this year and there's Royal Philharmonic Orchestra and their version of Motown Classics so this is their version of I'll Be There
the line now. Well, one of them Good afternoon to you. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's good to talk to you this afternoon. And I believe the clue is in the name there. You are from the Harlem Gospel Travers, and I assume you are based in New York. Yes, I am. I was born and raised out here in New York, a Long Island resident. And I was born and raised here, and that's how we all met. We all met here in New York. So before we start talking about the new album and obviously what you've got coming out this year, just give the listeners a bit of background into your own musical background, how you got involved in singing and obviously the other members in the group as well. So I'm a preacher's kid, um, kind of like a gold star preacher's kid. My mom's a preacher. My dad is a preacher. um, My stepdad is a preacher. Everybody in my family, I grew up in church like that. And so gospel music has always been a huge part of my life. Funny enough, I actually, it's not that I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music. I just wasn't um, open to secular music until I got older and I actually got it from my cousins. So a lot of my growing up was listening to gospel music. And that was my first love where I found my first sound. And then as I grew up and I found other music that I liked, it kind of mended into itself. And so gospel has always been a part of me. And then, of course, being an African-American, you know, the R&B music and the soul music has also been a part of me because everybody knows that grew up in a certain demographic that when Saturday comes and it's time to clean and you start hearing the old school music, you better get up. And then where do you then meet the other members of the group? So I started working at a program uh, for youth to basically get them into music and start getting them working and, and getting them into the industry. And so that's where I met the other member, George Mirage. And that's where we met Eli together at this foundation program. And Eli was coming there to teach a a quartet seminar, basically. And we started, I worked with him first. um, And then George had joined on, I think, probably a couple months later. And one day we were in rehearsal and I just got the inspiration to, and I just started writing our first two singles that we ever did, which was Watch Me, Lord, and He's on Time, right there on the spot in the middle of the class. And I guess Eli looked at that and was like, oh, this, you know, they are something more than just a class, that this is the possibility of them being artists. And we just grew from there. And we've changed out members and found new people. Our other member, Dennis Keith Bailey III, I actually met him in college when I went to school at AMDA, American Musical and Dramatic Academy for Musical Theater. And we both met each other. And when we did a new member, I was like, Dennis, you want to do it? And he was like, absolutely. So you've had a few tracks out in the past and obviously you've had EPs out and this is your first full length album. Why now was this the right time to do an LP? And obviously what was the inspiration about doing an album at this point in time? So it's so amazing because the first album we actually recorded while I was still in college. So like my attention was still on like making sure I passed my class and stuff like that. So I would show up to the studio and just sing and just I didn't expect for anything to happen. So when things started to blow up and we started to get attention, I was like, oh, my God, this is something so much more than what I thought it was going to be. And so when the pandemic hit and, you know, there was so much stuff that we were supposed to do and there was nothing to do, like everything got shut down instead of getting, well, of course, everyone gets in their feelings and they get depressed. I found my way to write myself out of that. So I started to write a lot of the songs that are on the album while I was in quarantine. 
And so that's how the album was kind of birthed, was me trying to write myself out of depression, write myself out of the situation that I was in. And I think everybody kind of was on that same page of just doing something to get us to feel like our dreams still matter. And so with this album, it feels like so personal to all of us and so personal to me, especially because this is the first album. I had a a bunch of singles on the other album that I had written, but now at 22, having all of these songs with the new life that I have lived and everything that's gone on, everything is so personal to me. And I can't wait to share it with people so that they can heal and, and be able to get themselves out of whatever they're living in, just like I was. So I'm really excited for that. I'm excited for people to get touched and to feel all of their feelings. And the first single, Look Up, we've been playing it here on the show the last few weeks and it's been really well received here in the UK. So what else can people expect from the album? What kind of sound is the rest of the album going to have as well? When I tell you this album is power packed from the beginning to the end, every song, there are no skips on this album. And it's not just because, you know, it's my music and we all sang on it like I'm telling the truth. There are no skips on this album. Everybody put their heart and their souls into this album from the singers to the musicians, to the production. Everybody just really put themselves into it. And I can tell you that you're going to have those moments where you're going to want to get up and dance. You're going to have those moments where you're going to want to feel those feelings and you might cry, but you're going to feel better afterwards. You're going to have those feelings where you just be like, let me just pull the car over so I can just get my praise on. There's just so many feelings and emotions. And by the time you're done listening to the album, you're going to feel lifted. That's why we named the song, named the song Look Up and also named the album Look Up because it's going to make you look up from wherever you are, no matter where you are in your dark place, or if you feel low and you feel like you can't make it, this is that album for you where you're at the end of it, you're going to say, you know what, I can keep on going. And you mentioned Eli Reed earlier on in the interview, but someone else who features on this album as well is Aaron Fraser from Duran Jones and the Indications. Now, how did you first build the relationship with Aaron himself and what does he do on this album for you? So Aaron actually plays the drums and he actually also sings on the first album. And that's how we got connected. And we just stayed in touch with Aaron and Aaron and Eli have had a friendship for a long time. And then we built our own relationship with Aaron and with all the music and all everything. And we've sung with him and he sung with us. And so Eli and Aaron actually wrote Look Up together and they gave it to us. And this is the first song ever that me and George have ever done as a duet. And I find that so amazing because if you look at it, me and George are kind of the younger version of Eli and Aaron. I'm the the big hollerer, the big belter like Eli. And George is the falsetto and that soft and beautiful sound like Aaron. So it's kind of interesting that they gave this song to the both of us and we are kind of the younger version of them. So that's kind of how that happened. And they are, they're tremendous musicians. And I say, it's really great to see them working with you on this project once again. And something I wanted to ask you really, obviously being a, a gospel band, live performance is key for you. And I know you've got lots of dates in the diary for France and Spain. And even this week, you're doing performances in and around New York. How is it for a band like you to now be going out and doing live performances once again? When I tell you we are so ready to hit this stage this summer, nobody is playing any games. I'm I'm telling you the truth. We have been waiting 
for so long to get back on the stage and to share what we have built together, our relationship, to share our music. What a lot of what I want people to know about us is that we are family. Like it's not a joke. Me and George have been best friends for years. Me and Dennis are best friends. We are friends together. Eli is like our big brother and we we truly love each other. And that comes out on stage and it comes out in the music. And so when we get on stage together with the rest of the band, who we are also very close knit with, it just fire comes out and it something takes over all of us. God is with us in that moment where we just show out and we have worked so hard and done shows here in New York to prepare ourselves for the up and coming European tour that we have coming and all the other shows and to get prepared for this album and stuff. We have just been putting in the work and we are so ready to light every stage that we step on on fire. So if you get to see us live, I'm telling you right now, you won't be disappointed. And we'll give the listeners some of those live dates now. Now, full live dates are available on your band camp, but just as an idea, you're doing a gig at the Union Pool in Brooklyn on the 27th of June before they're moving out to lots of festival dates in and around France, including gigs in Bordeaux, La Rochelle and many more. You then move into Spain later on in the summer before then coming back to the US doing more dates in the New York area and also in Illinois as well. So very busy schedule for you. And if people want to pre-order that album, is it now available to pre-order in all the usual places? Yes, they can. You can pre-order the entire Look Up album right now. And I'm telling you, you want to pre-order it. Why do you want to pre-order it? Because when it drops, you want to be the first person to listen to it. Don't be late because I'm telling you right now, people are going to, when it comes out, people are going to go ballistic. This is actually the highest I have ever sung on an album. I've always been a belter, but when we recorded the first album, I was young. So like I hadn't really fully understood my voice. And so now coming out of the pandemic and coming out of college and, you know, I lost a lot of weight as well. Now the singing that's going down on this album from all of us, it's crazy. And there are so many great names now, signs of coal mine records. And correct me if I'm wrong, is this your first album that you've actually had with them or have you had previous releases with them? This is our second release with them because they also did the first album and the first two singles. So we have been a coal mine family down through and through since the beginning of the formation of the Harlem Gossip Travelers. And they have been so good to us. And even when we didn't believe in ourselves, they believed in us and like I said before, I would have never thought that this would grow from just a class and a seminar. And the fact that we're here and there's so many people that are, you know, down for us, like four flat tires, being ready to help us to make this thing a reality is just really amazing. So being a part of the Coal My family is, it really is the family. You feel protected. Yeah, and they're a great record label. So lots of great artists on that label now as well. And we've got a little while now to wait until the album comes out. Are we likely to hear any more singles released off the album before the album actually lands? I don't know. Maybe you might hear a, another song or two. No, there definitely is going to be some other singles that come out before the album comes out. So we will keep an eye then what singles are released next. But anyone who wants to pre-order this, head over to Bandcamp. It's the Harlem Gospel Travelers, and you can pre-order various versions of the vinyl. There's a Bandcamp exclusive clear vinyl. You've got a normal standard black vinyl, CD and digital versions as well. And when you pre-order any version of it, you actually get three tracks now. One of them being the first single which is Look Up which we open the interview with and then you get 
two other tracks, one of them being the song we're going to finish the interview with, and that is Nothing But His Love. So thank you for your time this afternoon, Evie Dio. It's been nice to talk to you this afternoon, and we look forward to hearing the album when it comes out in September. Thank you so much. It's been awesome talking to you as well.
And that was Maureen Mason there, I'm Believing in You. That was released last year as a reissue on V4 Visions. Originally released back in 1992, and another great song that was unearthed and reissued. And that leads us nicely into this week's guest, talking about a track that they unearthed from 1989 and reissued just this past Friday. And I'm now talking to Will from WTS Productions. Good afternoon, Will. How are you? Afternoon, Jamie. Yeah, I'm really well, thanks. Good to hear it. And it's nice to be talking to you this afternoon. We're going to talk to pretty much about, obviously, the reissue with P.P. Arnold and Pressure Point. But I want to talk a little bit as well about the record label in itself and how that all came around. But before we get into that, do you just want to find out a bit more about yourself, really? Where did you first get involved with the music industry and what's your musical background? I started out quite... I'm, I'm very old. I'm about the same age. But I started out in the 90s doing... Um, basically doing house music and uh, basically uh, vocal house music, soulful vocals over other kind of quite nice chord changes. And I started out doing a band called Glowworm in sort of 93. Uh, and then I started doing more and more uh, real music. I, I, well, by, I mean, uh, you know, with real instruments rather than uh, synths and drums and stuff like that, program drums. And, um, and then I met the WTS guys in 2015 and we wanted to get back into doing kind of yeah dance music but again with these soulful vocals over the top and so we've been doing it we've probably done about 20 tracks now and it's a mixture some of it's sort of ballads which we then remix in a house style some of it's a kind of house music songs deliberately written at like 124 125 bpm and uh, and then some of it is and the side that i do more of is more of the slow soulful stuff which has kind of often got a retro kind of vibe because that's what I really love, you know, late 60s, early 70s, soul, jazz, uh, funk, that kind of stuff. And who of the genre were the sort of the first artists that you first started to hear of sort of funk? So had you always grown up with it or did you sort of find it in other ways? No, I, 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 I mean, when I was really little, I was listening to Elvis. <laughs> but uh, when, I, when I was about 10 or 11, I started listening to kind of just, because there was a lot of soul and reggae and stuff on the, on the radio. And so I just started listening to it. And then when I was able to start buying records, like 14, 15, I would buy, you know, Curtis Mayfield, like records you played a couple of weeks back, move on up. I bought, I found in my local record shop, I found a copy of that first record of his, really scratched. In fact, move on up had a massive scratch in it. So I, I thought that it had a really weird edit in it. And yeah, I just got into, so Donny Hathaway, uh, Stevie Wonder, Earth, Wind of Fire, yeah. So that's so I've always, but that's been where I, that's where I, that's my happy place. Yeah, some of those Donny Hathaway live performances are just fantastic as well. And I assume that you know you're based I mean, sort of down south, down my part of the world, are you? Yeah, uh, yeah, Islington, uh, Whitechapel, that sort of area. Um, east, east, north, and East London is my stomping ground. Nice. And let's now dive into the actual track itself then. So this is a rework of the 1989 track by P.P. Arnold and Pressure Point. The track is called Dreaming of You and it's absolutely fantastic. It's the first time I've actually ever heard the track and I've been hooked me since he sent it over to me about a month ago and I've been playing it here on the show over the last few weeks. So how did that journey first come about? A, where did you first hear the song when it first came out? And also how did you get hold of you know the producers of it now in order to do this rework and get it out once again? So uh, I know... Alex, who ran Viceroy, who put it out originally, and I said that I really loved that track, and I played it to the other guys in WTS, and they really liked it as well. We sort of gave it a like a sort of quite a dry. The original was quite lush and and sweet, and we just dried it out a bit and made the put some scratchy guitars on, 
put a few jazzy chords in and uh, made the beat quite spare and just wanted to hear how she sounded with a bit more space around her and it kind of worked out well and they, they liked it and so we we put it out and it's great now hear it hearing it round a second time round for some people and really obviously as a record label itself this is being released as a digital release what's the plan with your own record label you're looking at doing physical releases down the future or what's the actual long-term plan so we'd love to do that we've started we started out in 2015 designed to do an entirely digital way of doing things because that was that we thought we could you know make it work and so we've yet done a vinyl, but obviously we would love to. And depending on how things go, we've got another one, another classic soul singer uh, in the pipeline, also going to do another one later on in the year. And if we can, we might do a, an EP with both of them on in vinyl. But yeah, kind of, we, we, we'll see how it all goes, but that's, that would be fantastic if we could, yeah. And it got some quite high praise on its release as well, didn't it? It got featured in NME magazine and things like that, didn't it? Yeah, well, it was, it, was a, it, was a, it was, again, it was that great time when you could put out a sort of soulful, funky tune and you could, it would go out in the NME. It would be kind of like, it would be mainstream music or, or, or indie music, if you like. It was, the, the, the categories were much more blurred. I'm sure you, you've been over this a thousand times in what you do. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was single of the week in M- NME. Um, uh, it, was, it was beautiful. I mean, it, it should have done more i think it's it's a great track in fact the whole album is really worth checking out it's on spotify um yeah she's got a great voice the the writing's great again proper songs melodic lots of great harmony saxes live drums what you know what's not to like and everything sort of does come around. We always have these boom periods, and that late 80s, early 90s was a real boom period for British soul music. Obviously, like Soul to Soul and stuff were doing really well in the charts, and there's an awful lot of great artists around that time as well that really didn't get the credit they deserved, and it's nice that record labels like yourself are actually starting to you know, reissue these tracks or just bring them back to the attention again. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think there's, there's some great stuff, uh, exactly as you say, and uh, it's, it's all still there, and so there are if if you like to anyone out there who's a producer or a musician if you like a record from that time or indeed any record it's always worth hunting down the people who put it out and speaking to them and say look i'd love to to, to pay my own tribute to this and you never know they might say oh, okay go on let's let's see what you can do and obviously you've been saying you've been working with some other tracks as well on the label with the rest of the team over there so what else have you got planned or in the pipeline for wts later on this year so at the moment we've we've got a record out at the moment which is basically it's a pop ballad I and mean, it's it's nothing like this one uh, called Falling which is sung by one of so with three producers I do the kind of the slower soulful stuff Ty does the housey stuff and Sam does writes a lot of the lyrics and and actually sings on a lot of the material and she's singing on this latest one Falling which is really really nice um, and again we we put out the, the ballad version and then we put out. Uh, a variety of remixes, mostly house and garage. Um, so we've got that out at the moment. Uh, then we're going to do this soulful one later on. We've got a fantastic new singer called Fidel, who's doing his own music, who's um, who's done a collaboration with us. We're going to put him out later on this year as well. So uh, yeah, and that's again in more sort of soulful vibe. He, he can sing really high. He's got a kind of, he's not like Curtis Mayfield, but he can get right up there and sounds really sweet. Um, yeah, so really, really nice stuff coming. So if people want to find out more information about WTS, all this track, where can people find you um, online and things like that, Will? Uh, yeah, social media, uh, the, we do the, the main ones we do, Twitter, which is What's That Sound P. Um, I mean, just search for us, but yeah, What's That Sound Productions for, for Instagram and Facebook and What's That Sound P for Twitter. 
And uh, yeah, we've got our website, which is just wtsproductions.com and hit us up. Or uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us quickly, probably through Twitter or Instagram is best. We'd, we'll, we'd answer DMs. Well, what we'll do, we'll also share all the details on our own social media feeds as well for you, Will. And so if anyone wants to check out that new track, Dreaming of You is now available on all streaming services. So search for Dreaming for You and Pressure Point or search for WTS and you'll find all the links on their social media. We can listen to it. And it's been great chatting to you this afternoon, Will, and catching up with you all about WTS and this track. Thanks, Jamie, and thanks for playing us. And yeah, keep up the good work. And you as well. We're going to finish off the interview now while playing that track. So this is the brand new track then on WTS Productions. This is a reissue and a rework of Pressure Point and P.P. Arnold's Dreaming of You. Thanks for coming on this week and here is the new song. He thought he'd never ever want again if I'd ever get to love him, baby.
very pleased to be joined on the line now by both Andy and Sean from the group. Good afternoon to you guys. How are you both doing this afternoon? Great. Good, I'm pleased to be joining you. No, it's great to have you on the show. Appreciate you taking the time out to chat to us this afternoon. We're going to talk about, obviously, the brand new single, West Side Jet, the new album, plus what else you've got going on as well. But for people who may have not heard of Young Gun Sil Fox before, you know, give the listeners an idea of how you first met and obviously what your group's all about, really. Well, uh, we sort of originally met on MySpace.com, like back in the, I don't know, the tail end of the, the first 10 years of the arts. I mean, I, um, I, I discovered Andy on there just at the sort of dawn of mama's gun his his other bands and um and then we just sort of uh sent each other messages and then that was kind of it for for quite a while until annie got in contact again about maybe producing like a mama's gun record and so we hooked up again and that didn't really you know come to pass but i think what happened there it sort of planted the seed in my own mind about us you know working together uh, and combining what we did in my own head. And so I sort of realized that Andy was the perfect, uh, he was, you know, he was the perfect, you know, component that, that, you know, that I could make this kind of music with because he's such a great songwriter and, and, and singer. And he understood all the, the important musical, you know, kind of configurations and elements that would work in this kind of scenario. And I never had thought about doing it before it was it was solely andy was sort of the inspiration and the muse that created this idea in my head and and we wanted to work together so it, it was sort of uh, we we slowly started to work together eventually over the course of a, a couple of years just doing the odd song here and there between our our you know respective you know own projects and um i'll pass over to you now andy <laughs> Well, man, you were doing such a grand job. You were being succinct and but in, embellishing tastefully. I, you know, um, I, I was, well, I was quite enjoying the ride, to me, if I'm honest. Okay, should I, should I continue on? Yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> so anyway, so we, uh, you know, we started to work together. And I think it was just a, a, a purely kind of musical meeting of minds. I think it was, there wasn't any kind of grand scheme beyond that. We made this, this little record, which was our first album, West End Coast. And I think that came out in 2015 mm-hmm. and the cops are coming to get me right now. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and we, you know, we didn't even know what we were going to do with the record, but we, we did it. And then, you know, a kind of little nice little plot, you know, you know, came together to put the record out and we had really no expectations whatsoever of what it was going to be and, you know, how we were going to do it. And, uh, you know, to, to our surprise and to our luck, you know, you know, something happened in Holland. Uh, um, you know, we went over to to play uh, a gig in Amsterdam for the very, you know, one of the very first shows we ever did, and uh, it sold out really, you know, really quick. And then they added a second date, and I think, you know, in a matter of hours, the, the, when they announced the next show, it sold out as well. And so we went over and played two sold out shows back to back, and there was this this great love, which was really like came out of nowhere. And we were like, we'd never done any promo or anything to set it up. And I don't know that I think at that point, you know, the music started to take on a life of its own. And, and um, I don't know, the music kind of worked, you know, we weren't, there was no, uh, you know, there was no strategy, you know, there was no machine behind it. It was like the music for once seemed to be enough. And I think, you know, ever since then, you know, especially in Holland, you know, there's a lot of love for 
the music, but I, I think, you know, it's been fanning out over the globe, you know, since then, you know, we're, we're four albums in, into it now. And um, it's, it's a really, really enjoyable musical world that we, you find ourselves in. And uh, I don't know, there's magic in the music and people have responded and it's, um, it's a beautiful thing, man. Um, just, just to slightly expand on what Sean was saying there, that, that I think once, once we started making the records, West End Coast and the second album, Ian Waves Onwards, um, I think we quickly realised that this kind of music was what, it, it was a paradox, really. People weren't waiting for, you know, this so-called yacht rock music to have a resurgence or, or this kind of brand of West Coast music that was very much prevalent in the late 70s, early 80s, you know, apex of analog recording, etc. Um, but it was, it was simultaneously something they had been waiting for as well for a long time we realized there was a really healthy appetite for it and it's just a beautiful convergence of all the low end warm bass and the grooves of kind of um, soul music that, that came out the, the 70s and the concise pop rock writing that that people like the Beatles and and whoever of, the, of that period were creating between those two you have this wonderful rich landscape and and set of tools to play with and you know the, the things that we're able to do across albums is is, is is quite panoramic really you know we can we can shift from straight ahead kind of eight beat acoustic rock to like full-blown um kind of deep funk soul with horns and but it still wears the same badge um easily across all the music um so that that's a wonderful place to be kind of swimming um but for people who don't know what we sound like it, it is that it's it's kind of sun-kissed funk and soul meets pop rock kind of yeah drenched in sunshine and and good times really um so if you like the sound of that then uh come check us out and that leads us nicely to today then so Westside jet the first single from the brand new album which is due out in october first of all where did the inspiration come from for Westside jet and explain the lyrics behind it basically well um on a kind of lyrical songwriting tip um, I kind of walked in on my um, my daughter Frankie watching the latest remake of uh, West Side Story, and I kind of sat down and just watched the rest of it with her. You know, I was exposed to that musical at, uh, from a very young age, and so I'm very, very familiar with with all the songs and the lyrics and just the way it's put together. And for me, it's it's the only musical really. I mean, it's more than that; it's more like a jazz opera. But it, I was just reminded of how astonishing the, the music was back then in, in something like that, something as formidable a, a piece of writing as that by Leonard Bernstein and um, Stephen Sondheim. Um, so it just kind of sent me back back down there and it, and it riffs, you know, it riffs <clears throat> lightly on the West Side story, you know, kid from the, from the hard up West Side of town kind of fighting his way up, standing his ground, you know, earning his stripes and getting, getting through life. And, you know, that really, <clears throat> that really, um, has parallels with being a musician as well in many ways and, and anyone who's self-employed or, you know, anyone that's having to go through some kind of set of travails and challenges to, to get somewhere uh, of worth and be able to kind of stand at the peak and look, look from where they've come from. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's loosely the story. In terms of the music, I'll pass it over to Sean. I think musically it was one of the earlier tracks on the, on the new album and, and I think I just had my head in this space to um, thinking about, you know, the three albums we made previously and, you know, what did we need? You know, what did we need? Like if we were going to be touring and playing songs, we have four albums to choose from now, you know, 
what, what, what's going to get into the set that we don't have or, you know, you know what I mean? And I, and I kind of thought, well, we could have more up tempo stuff would be, you know, welcome. Cause we had all the, the mid tempo stuff is, you know, we've got a lot of it. And so I thought, let me concentrate in that area and, and come up with some more up tempo stuff. And, and, um, and that's kind of what I set out to do, you know, and, but it was a very, very, you know, simple, uh, organic process as it, as it, you know, is it, it always is. And, and so there wasn't like a, there was no great thought beyond what I just said, but it just all came together really nicely. But I did, I did know when I came up with the musical track, uh, I could really hear that it was very accommodating for Andy's songwriting and for his voice. And I knew he would smash something great over it, that, that it felt like it would be a single, you know, it just kind of had this really conciseness to it and of course when i sent it to andy you know w w when it came back with the song i mean it was exactly you know um you know not what i expected because you know it's it's not a uh you know it's not predictable in that way but it, I, it he he did smash it and it was you know a single and and i i knew at the time that it was going to be the first single because it was just it had that feeling about it so it was really great to to have that in the bag you know what I mean? Because quite often the lead, you know, having that lead off single is quite an important thing. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, it's just a really, really nice song, man. You know what I mean? And I mean that in the best way. It's kind of like it's, um, you know, it, 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 the whole West Side Jet, the lyrical thing really caught me by surprise the first time I heard it. Because it's, I didn't even think about West Side Story in the beginning. I thought, West Side Jet? Like, well, that's interesting. <laughs> and then, of course, it was like, oh, duh. <laughs> well, quite, quite, a few quite a few people have asked me, what is a West Side Jet? And, and, you, and the kind of moment you, um, you know, drop the breadcrumbs and take it to West Side Story, they're like, ah, oh, right, okay. Um, you can make people happy and they can feel stupid at the same time, which is a rare thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's human nature. Doesn't care, makes you And to go alongside the new track as well, you've obviously worked again with Jack Pell, who you've done lots of things with in the past for your music video, but this new one has got a nice twist on it. It's down to sort of an 8-bit feel. Where did the inspiration come to do, obviously, another music video with Jack and the story behind the music video as well? I think I think the uh, the kind of story, the loose story in the song, like I said, about this, this, this kid coming up from the other side of town earning his stripes and stuff, that seemed to play well in a kind of... Um, you know, in a com computer game scenario where you're having to get through these challenges and stuff, and and you know that kind of eight bit eight bit look and feel of those games from back then is a is quite a singular thing, and it's 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 a lot of fun, and it doesn't take itself too seriously in the same way the track doesn't. So I think they were unlikely partners that just seemed to to go together really well. I think it's true, man, because they are two seemingly very different things, but they go together really well. And so that's, you know, that that's, it's great to have a combination of things that you wouldn't think of, but then come together and you're like, Oh, of course. But, you know, I mean, otherwise what would we, would we have done other than a West side story, like sort of like parody or whatever. So, I mean, I, I think 
it was, that was a lucky, that was a really, you know, inspired, you know, lucky idea to do it. And it is fun to watch and it's cool. And Jack is, you know, really talented and fantastic and he's done great stuff, yeah. uh, you know, for us before. And, and so, you know, it, it was just, um, I mean, it's just a real pleasure, you know, to, to watch and, and um, it's a cool pairing. Yeah, and I think something about something about the music and the video for this very first single. You know, when you set up your uh, when you set up your singles, you don't. If you've got like an eight and a nine out of ten with a single, you're not going to lead with your nine. You're gonna you're gonna go in with your eight and set it up, hopefully, for for a greater hit on your second or third singles. And I think I think everything about this first single is just doing the first single job really well. So I'm I'm really pleased about that. And I say the single's been out just a couple of weeks now. It's getting great airplay across loads of radio stations here in the UK. And it leads me nicely to start talking about the album itself. It's due out at the end of October. It's called Ticket to Shangri-La. When did you first start working on the album and what can people expect from it as well? That's a slightly tricky question because <laughs> it, 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 they were kind of like, in a way, I started putting together some ideas, you know, instrumentally um, at some point. I don't even remember when that was. It would have been a while ago, you know, just just because I, you know, I wanted to, A, and I also wanted to explore, like, you know, where am I going, you know what I mean, for a new record. And so I wanted to just, you know, just try stuff out. I knew we had plenty of time. And so, you know, there would have been, like, some 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 of those ideas have ended up on the record. Um, uh, I, I can't remember which one's off the top of my head, if I'm being honest. Um, I, Lodestar is a track that um, would be one of those ones. But we did the track uh, Winners, which was the first track that we did oh, yeah. finish, which was, which, which was way before we did the other tracks. And that would have been in 2020, like, yeah, you know, uh, probably... I don't know, maybe in, in the spring of, of the first lockdown, you know what I mean? Th yeah. That would have been done in a, a lockdown condition. And then I, I continued on like making some, some tracks and stuff. But I think th the main bit of, you know, going into stuff was, was it in 2021, Annie, when you really started to, after you finished Mama's Gun, you know, I'd sent over, I don't know, between six to kind of 10 ideas um and then um i passed over to andy when he finished mama's gun then i think he started to work on you know writing to some of those as well as then you know writing some things on his own yeah i think i was i was waiting for um till the the collection of music was was starting to really have a identity as a collection before kind of cracking on with the songwriting and stuff um so yeah 2021 back you know second half of 2021 i was really Really, just got in the zone and really motoring. And um, between yeah, between me and Sean, you know, once I'd created stuff, vocals and backing vocals or whatever bits and bobs on top of that, it was straight back to Sean and a guy called Pierre Duplain uh, to kind of get the mixing done. Really, so um, yeah, it was a bit of both. Really, it was a bit of a long-term thing over the pandemic with Sean hunkering down and seeing what was what was coming to the surface, and then it was a bit more of a quicker process for me being much more um, concentrated over a short period of time. But I think both both processes yielded a lot of great stuff. And then when, once they were combined, 
we had uh, we had the creme de la creme. So the album will be out at the end of October. Ticket to Shangri-La and pre-orders will be up for that very soon. And if people want to find out more information about Young Gun Silver Fox, where can they find that? Uh, in the obituaries in the in the, the local <laughs> paper. <laughs> no, you can yeah. find us. Uh, yeah, yeah, online in the usual places. But I think you know Instagram and Facebook. You know, the, 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 you can always find out stuff what you need to know on there. You know, of the pertinent information about releases and dates and you know gigs and things like that yeah we're not we're not the most prolific kind of posters of content but we are very good at keeping in touch with people and responding to messages and comments or whatever so um yeah come and say hi man everyone we'll share all the details on our social feeds as well i know we played a little clip of west side jet in the interview but we're going to finish off the interview playing the track in full so thanks to you both for coming on this afternoon and i say we'll speak to you very soon take care yeah you too thanks for having us man Sure.
and welcome back to the Funk and Soul Show. That's the second single taken from the brand new album then from the Ghost Funk Orchestra. That single is called Wine. That came out just at the end of September and we're very, very pleased to be joined on the line this afternoon by Seth from the group. Good afternoon to you, Seth. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, keeping very well. Yeah, very well, thanks. How are things over in the US at the moment? All good? All good. Uh, it's getting it's getting cold now. Like it's starting to feel like winter <laughs> a yeah, little bit. We're we're pretty much the same. We've had a really nice summer, and it's just starting to get into that nice autumn fall type period now. So yeah, we're we're doing okay over here as well. So yeah, this is definitely this is the kind of weather that I personally thrive in. So I'm I'm happy that it's cold. I like the You're cold. Per- <laughs> ready for it? <laughs> Absolutely. So we've got lots to talk about with you today, really. I want to dive in a little bit, really, about your background in music and obviously how you got the group together as well. You're on to your third album, which is going to be out next week, actually, the 28th of October here in the UK. It's called A New Kind of Love. So before we start delving into that, let's get going a little bit about your background, really. How did you first get involved in music and how did you first put the band together in the first place? What was the idea behind it? I mean, going if we're going all the way back, you know... Like many people, I started with piano lessons that my my parents put me in when I was a kid. And I was taking piano lessons for a long time, learning the basics. And my second teacher that um, that I joined up with, he was the one that sort of started pushing me in a jazz direction and was feeding me tunes like Song for My Father and just all these great standards and that's when my brain just started like heading in that direction and also my uncle gave me my first miles davis cd when i was in elementary school so a good place to start yeah yeah it was (laughs) uh he gave me a copy of sorcerer so that was sort of like my uh a jumping off point and then fast forward to high school my friends and i were getting into daptone because that was around like oh four oh five when they were like really taken off So I grew up in New Jersey, which meant that we had easy access to the city to see all these Daptone showcases that they were putting on. Um, And after seeing like Sharon Jones and Antibalas and these big bands so many times, uh, it just put the, the bug in my head that I wanted to be part of a big band. And, you know, by by high school, I had started playing guitar, playing drums I still had a bit of the piano in my back pocket, but I had really shifted gears. Um, so later on in high school, I took my first attempt at making a large band, which was like an 11-piece Afrobeat-adjacent thing that had a few original tunes. And then I spent my early 20s, or most of my 20s, playing in rock bands and punk bands before circling back to funk soul that kind of that side of my musical taste so it was really just you know ghost funk started as a recording project where i was just using it to sort of reconnect with the style of music that i had been you know i'd grown up really appreciating and after spending so many years playing more aggressive music i wanted to see where i would land if i kind of circled back and then you know a couple eps under my belt in just recordings people started nudging me to take those songs and do them live so at the uh at the suggestion of the people that had 
sort of jumped onto our bandwagon early on. I put together a band, kind of cobbled my friends together from, you know, rock bands and things like that. And then yeah. over time, it just kind of grew and grew um, and started adding horns and, you know, really just expanding, expanding the lineup and expanding the sounds. And now it's, you know, it's just, it's ever changing, but it's, uh, you know, still at the core, it's just me exploring my influences and trying to figure out how to take them and, you know, make my own message with them. So with that, at the moment in that case, you're obviously still based out on the East Coast. Are a lot of the people also based out on the East Coast or are they people that you sort of, you know, pull from all over the country? And, you know, how long have you all been together as, you, as a current state now? Um, everybody is, everybody's East Coast that I'm working with. Uh, you know, my, my band is all based in, I'm upstate New York, um, but we're split between upstate New York, Brooklyn, Queens, uh, New Jersey, you know, just that general area. Um, and the lineup has shifted like a little bit over the, how many years we've been doing this now? I guess, I guess five years proper as a, as a live band. And it's, there's been some lineup changes here and there as some folks have moved away or some folks who are in the band had kids and just couldn't. Just general circumstance change, really. Yeah, just just change the priorities, which is obviously totally fine. Um, but the current lineup as it stands has been more or less existing since 2019, um, you know, with our current drummer and the singers and the horn players. The horn department kind of fluctuates based on availability, but the key players have been the same for a while now. Let's, um, you know, I'm not going to put it on the spot here, but do a little bit of a roll call for who, who, you, who the current non-up is and who, you know, just to give him on a bit of a mention, really, start from the top. Sure. Um, so the members that I would consider, you know, like if, if availability is perfect and I have my, my A team, uh, down the line, it would go Mario Gutierrez on the drums, Jeremy Stoddard Carroll on bass, Josh Park on second guitar, myself on first guitar, um, Megan Mancini on vocals, Romy Hanuch on vocals, Billy Oxtick trumpet, Brian Plout's flute, James Kelly trombone, and Stephen Chen Barry sax. Nice, oh, that's a full house. <laughs> yeah, and then occasionally we also have uh, Rob George on tenor sax, and also sometimes we have Mike Saracen on flute. So it's a there's a lot of people that are like in our in our universe and uh, are ready to be called when when they're needed. And I say the, the new album is due out next week, so we've had the first couple of singles released and they've been going down really well, and I've really been enjoying myself here. So let's talk about the album a little bit in more detail, really. Obviously, it was announced at the end of August, but I assume you've been working on this in the pipeline for a little bit longer than that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think I started it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, I mean, I started writing songs that would end up being contributed to it probably like just before the pandemic started um okay we had at least a song or two as part of the live set um before before everything shut down so and it, you know the way that it generally goes when i'm gearing up to make a record is i'll have us one song or two songs that are you know meant to be live tunes that I just get really jazzed up about and those sort of get yeah. the creative juices flowing for me to say, okay, it's time to make a record. Um, so I think we had, we definitely had your man's no good prior to the pandemic. Like that was becoming, that was beginning to be a part of the live set. And then blockhead, I think was the next song that, I was able to finish and started feeling like, okay, we're going into this thing. But yeah, so I mean, it was probably, you know, we put out an ode to escapism in 2020. And generally speaking, whenever I put out a record, by the time it hits the street, I've already made some headway into the next one. So I think... Always moving forward. Yeah, because, you know, the the lead time between me... Um, delivering all my all the masters and all the artwork between that and actually the record hitting the street there's a many months in there so i'm still you know there's all this time for me to start regrouping and figuring out what i want to do next so i think we had i think i had probably like three or four songs feeling good by the time o2 escapism dropped and then over the course of the next year after that i was working on new ones and trying to, you know, I arranged the songs in an order that felt good. And then I'll write more songs to fill in gaps and try to make some sort of an arc to the track list. And for people discovering you for the very first time, what can people expect from the album? The sort of, what sort of sound do you tend to go for? Do you sort of have a mix of different things across the album or do you, you know, flow each track into the other? What's the sort of layout for the album itself? I mean, it's definitely, it's eclectic. And I think that's, I feel very fortunate that we led off, when we when we put out our first record with Coal Mine, uh, a song for Paul, I think that was a great jumping off point for us because it established to their fans that we are sort of a shape-shifting band, that when you listen to one of our records, you can expect it to be very eclectic and to sort of touch on a lot of different ideas and a lot of different vibes and moods. 
So, you know, for somebody that's jumping in on, on a, a new kind of love, you can expect, I think my head was, for, for a lot of the songs when I was writing and arranging them, I had been listening to a lot of Exotica and Lounge, and then also like, you know, old Quincy Jones, Big Band, things like that. So you can expect some like pretty expansive arrangements, um, a lot of, you know, dense percussion layering. But, you know, the, at, the, at the core of it, every song has a groove that it revolves around. But as far as a style, it shapeshifts. You know, it goes from anywhere from like a 70s big band soul feel to, you know, a dark R&B sort of tune. Um, there's some instrumentals on there that are, you know, I pull from influences like Modesky Martin and Wood or, I don't know, Rotary Connection. There's all these different influences that I'm sort of trying to wrangle and make sense of. So, you know, it's a, uh, and then as far as like an arc to it, I tried to arrange the tracks or order them in a way that guides you through and guides you through these different influences in a way that feels somewhat seamless. You know, it starts off big and then it takes you to the darker place and then it gets bright again. You know, I'm trying to, I try to put tunes next to each other that I think have a somewhat similar um, tone or mood. And then, you know, guide you through a little bit of a roller coaster of tempo, emotion, you know, anything to keep it engaging and not not feel um, not feel like I'm treading similar terrain for too many songs in a row. And not giving away the full track, this boss, you start the album with an intro track, which is quite a nice classic thing to do to really have that intro to the album. And also splitting, you know, you've got um, a version of New Kind of Love, you split into two parts again, which is a real retro sort of thing to do to sort of, you know, split the album up. And I, I assume that's obviously going to book in the A and B side, I guess, of the vinyl or something along those lines. But um, yeah, really looking forward to having the album, you know, in hands next week. And I guess... You know, what else have you got planned before release date? Are there going to be any more tracks released ahead of release date or is it now going to be the album release pretty much? Now it's the full thing. You know, we put out Scatter first and then Y second. And then, uh, yeah, next on Friday, October 28th, we just, the whole thing comes out. Um, our focus track for that day is going to be a tune called Blockhead, which is another, it's one of the more up-tempo tunes okay. on the record. But uh yeah, on uh, on release day, it's it's all out there. It's uh, <laughs> the whole thing. Well, I say it's going to be available on all digital platforms as well. But you know, there's a lot of people doing physical, including myself. And you know, you're quite lucky actually. You're going to be doing three different versions of vinyl, aren't you? Just give the people an idea about those vinyls and what made you decide to go for three different versions and stuff like that, really. So the three versions that we have, um, I guess it's actually it's technically four if you count just like standard opaque black okay, vinyl, yeah, cool, you know, yeah. the, the, but for the, the special versions, we did, um, an opaque white pressing that is specific. It's only available through our Bandcamp. Then we have a pink version that's only available through coal mine and a red version that is for the indie stores. And the reason we're doing so many is, you know, it was actually, I think we were the tester for this 
sort of setup. When we put out O2 Escapism, it was in the thick of the pandemic and everybody was struggling, including a lot of the uh, the indie stores, like indie record shops that couldn't let people in the door. So it was Terry Acoma and his idea to try and do a pressing, you know, we all, they always do multiple variants, um, but it was his idea to do one that was specific to it's only available via the brick and mortar shops and it was sort of our way of throwing them a bone and you know throwing them some appreciation for how much they've championed the label so basically the idea is that if you like this color you want this version and you're a collector you know that you have to go through your local indie shop to get it and that was i think that was a brilliant idea and it's it was very well received by both you know, the customers and also the shops love it. Um, and then do we we added a, a Bandcamp-specific variant this time just because they that website has been very integral yeah. to my project for as long as it's existed. You know, we started out just by tossing stuff up there, digital only, and they often program us on their radio show on Bandcamp Weekly. So they've shown us a lot of support. And again, similar to the the indie shop variant, doing one that's specific to Bandcamp is our way of showing a little appreciation for how much they've done to support the label and specifically my band. So that's, it's a, and it's cool to just like have all these different versions out there. You know, some people that are, (laughs) it's really cool. And, um, I think, like I say, most of the time, you know, most record labels only do, you know, one kind of vinyl across the board. But I think, you know, giving people, like you said, throwing people to bone for different markets. And the game with Bandcamp, like, they supported so many artists over the pandemic and doing, obviously, Bandcamp Fridays and stuff like that. Like, yeah. it all goes a long way. And if that can help out, you know, and to say, if people want to get a version of each, it sort of helps everyone out, really, doesn't it? So Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, no, it's true. The Bandcamp Friday thing was is amazing. Um yeah, I, I can't say a bad thing about that website. They've really, it's it's a good place to to be the home for uh, everything that I've made under this under this project. So, if people want to find more about you, then Seth, what's the best way for people to reach out and sort of hear you know more about you? Really, I mean, if you go, I'd say our our website ghostfunkorchestra.com, is a great place to peruse. You'll get. Um, show dates with ticket links. You can see our the shows that we played in the past. There's artwork, you know, poster art. You can there's links to buy merchandise and um, you know links to all of our recordings, music videos, whatnot. It's just that's kind of press press and everything. Like everything is up there. And then for more up to date like day by day feed of info, our Instagram uh, Ghost Funk Orchestra on Instagram is the best place. I don't have a, a Twitter. Um, and we do update our Facebook occasionally, but it's sort of, I don't know, it doesn't it doesn't have the momentum that Facebook once did. So Instagram or our website, That's those are the spots to learn. And I say that whole album is going to be available on the 20th of October. You can listen to it on Bandcamp for a little bit of a preview, but you can also physically and order the digital version on there as well. Available on streaming platforms next week. And again, if you want to get your order, and it's going to be available here in the UK from you know all good record stores as well. So it's been a pleasure talking to you this afternoon, Seth. 
um you know hope to keep in touch for the future and yeah all the very best with the album thank you very much appreciate you having me on Please be joined on the line now by Delvon himself. Welcome back to the show, Delvon. It's nice to have you back here on the Funk and Soul Show. How are you? I'm all right, man. You know, just hanging in there, trying to stay afloat and stay relevant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, what, you've been very busy over the past year, Delvon. I told you so. It came out right at the very beginning of last year, and this new album we drew out in early February, Cold as Weiss. When did work actually start on this album? What's the background behind the album's title itself as well? Uh, well, we started working on this album probably in late 2020, uh, pretty much right before we released our I Told You So album that came out in January 2021. But, uh, you know, we kind of found the time to scrape some music together because, you know, none of us lived in the same spot and, you know, we weren't touring, you know, in 2020. So it was hard for us to get together. The reason we called that album Cold as Weiss is kind of a a shout out to our new permanent drummer, Dan Weiss. And uh he uh if you ever meet this cat, man, he's he's the coolest dude ever, man. <laughs> he's he's super funny, super cool, man. And so, you know, we thought it'd be fitting to 
golly cold as ways. <laughs> and people may not realise, Delvin, but you're obviously based out towards Seattle, and Dan's actually from Nevada, and he's, the group, the sex stones that he used to be in, are all based around that Nevada area. Is Dan still based over that way? And how did you get to know Dan in the first place? Uh, yeah, well, he, he currently lives in Seattle. He just moved to Seattle a few months ago. But uh, we, I met Dan. Uh, we did a double bill with the Sex Tones. Uh, we did a kind of a Pacific Northwest uh, run, and you know, we played with those guys. And uh, I liked his sound. I, I remember him. Twenty nineteen, we were actually put up in uh, what do you call that audition for a new drummer. And you know, because we've been bouncing around trying to find the right fit for a couple of years. And uh, so we put up an audition and uh, we ended up getting like over 160 applicants. I like all these videos, all these videos just started flooding in and like, man, everybody wanted to be, you know, wanted to be a part of it. And uh, it was it was kind of a trip because I didn't I didn't expect that. Like, you know, when we put that audition, I thought maybe, oh, like five, 10 people or something. But it was like over it was like 167 applicants or something like that. <laughs> I was like, wow. Uh, and so I remember Dan uh, from the Sex Tones and I remember I liked his style. And, you know, I went back on I went on the uh, YouTube and checked out some of his stuff. And uh, I was like, all right, let's let's check this cat out. And so we ended up getting him at the beginning of uh, 2020, February 2020. Kind of felt bad for the guy because, uh, you know, in February 2020, we, we, he did his first show with us in February 2020. And uh, he quit his job and everything. He was just like, man, this is what I've always wanted to do, you know. So, you know, he quit his job and he was like full on, like 100%. And then everything got shut down. We played literally like four shows and then everything just shut down. <laughs> I was like, oh. And so, but he's a trooper. He hung in there, but yeah, he's the coolest dude, man. So if you ever get a chance to meet him, man, he's a, he's a super cool cat. And Dan obviously played on the I Told You So album as well. And you've had a single called Cold As Weiss. And as you know, you mentioned there about Dan's style and the way he plays drums. Are we going to find sort of a real different sound to Delvin tomorrow? What we can expect from this new album itself, Delvin? Uh, well, Dan has a, a different style than like most of the drummers we've ever played with. Um, I don't know every night he does these beats that I've never heard anybody do. And, uh, you know, so it influenced some of the songs like the, the song, um, uh, cold as Weiss. The song, uh, was all based around his drum beat. He said, Oh, I got this beat. And he was messing with his beat. I was like, man, that's a cool beat. And so we kind of built the song around that. But, uh, I think for for me, my my opinion on the albums is like when we first recorded our first album, and that was Close But No Cigar, uh, we weren't expecting to record. It was kind of a spur of the moment. Get a random phone call from from uh, Jason Gray as our studio engineer. <clears throat> um, it was just a random call from him. He's like, I got some time just trying to see if some of my friends or something want to want to record and at the time we didn't even have any music the whole not really we only had a handful of songs that we knew that was complete so when we went in that studio uh, most of that stuff all the original tunes had to be figured out and even the covers had to be changed because 
you know, we had to figure out how to do it. And we did that in the studio in real time. And then fast forward to, you know, the, I told you so album, we, uh, the drummer on that album was Grant Schroff, a drummer from the polyrhythmics, uh, a really good friend of ours. Actually the studio engineer, Jason Gray is the bass player for the polyrhythmics. So it's a uh, D-Lo three and polyrhythmics are like deep rooted family right there. But, uh, <laughs> When we recorded that album, um, I feel that that album has a lot more of our influences in it. You know, we got, you know, things like hip hop grooves. We we got, you know, soul grooves. We got George Michael. You know? <laughs> yeah, so it, it has a lot more of our influences in it. And for me, the Coldest Weiss album is more us is like you know us i don't know i don't know how to how to really explain that it feels we found ourselves you know and the album itself is doing very well so far the two singles been released getting lots of airplay here on the radio stations here in the uk pull your pants up and don't worry about what i do when the album lands on the 11th of february what can people expect can people get digital versions and obviously physical versions of the album as well as previously yeah, so it'll be uh it'll be it'll be digital and uh you can get hard copies like CDs and vinyl stuff like that. Um if you're in Europe, um you can check out HHV or Juno. Uh that's been a, a lot of questions like for people in Europe is like how do we get it without paying the crazy shipping you know, to get it from the states. So uh yeah hhv or juno records so you can get it is the european distributors i know you always really go full out with your vinyl as well last year you obviously told you so count on that lovely bubble gum sort of color vinyl are you doing traditional black and color vinyl again for this oh we're doing both and i got i i we just received our copies of of the the limited edition ones and man they are gorgeous <laughs> and okay so let people go on and see that and hopefully they'll pre-order those edition colored vinyls as well so we're going to take a quick break here Delvin. we're going to play one of the tracks from the album one of the singles releases don't worry about what i do and after this we'll come back and we'll talk about doing your live dates and of course your european tour you're going to be trying to do in just a few months time
And welcome back to the Funk and Soul Show. One of the new tracks taken from the Cold As White Sound by the Delvin and Mark Organ Trio. That is Don't Worry About What I Do. And I'm very pleased to be joined on the line this week by my guest, Delvin Lamar from the Delvin Lamar Organ Trio. And Delvin, we've been talking about the album itself, but I want to touch a little bit really on your live dates. I know when we spoke last year, you were hoping to try and do some live dates in the summer. Did you manage to get out on tour and do a bit of live gigging last summer? Uh, we did a couple of things. You know, we did a like a couple of like one week or in two week tours uh they were still very sporadic and uh you know it was it was a tough one because you know the clubs a lot of clubs are struggling still and you know so as and people are still hesitant to come out and you know so it's kind of a weird weird situation because it's like People want to go out, but they don't because they're still kind of worried about what's going on. And, uh, you know, we try to do things very safe. Like, like in our band, we have like policies in place. Uh, it has to be a certain way or we just won't do it, you know? Uh, and that's, that's kind of the way we, you know, we try to keep people and ourselves as safe as possible as we can, you know, uh, at the end of the day, you can only control you know, so much, but, but we do everything we can to do it safely without putting, you know, without added risk, you know? So, but it was just, it's just weird, man, because, uh, I don't know. It's like, it feels good to play in front of real people again. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of scary because you're kind of venturing into the unknown. And so, yeah, so, you know, but it's been pretty good thus far. We haven't had any issues, no no craziness, out, you know, that's going on. It's been pretty smooth, so. And the world has opened up a little bit more. Can we expect to see you and the rest of the guys here over in the UK over the next few yeah, months? Yeah, yeah, we're going to be uh, there at the end of March and beginning of April. I think we just added some dates uh at the end of March in Europe. But uh, as far as I know right now, as it stands, we start on April 1st and, you know, we'll be in Germany, France, we'll be in the UK. Uh, We've got multiple dates in the UK actually. Um, In multiple, multiple cities. So we'll uh, looking forward to that. And I know lots of people, like myself as well, are looking forward to getting out and doing a lot more live music. Well, I bet for you being a musician, playing in front of live people is something amazing again, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It was weird, like, because we did, like, during the downtime. I call it the downtime. <laughs> but uh, when we weren't doing anything, you know. Yeah, you know, we did these live streams in clubs, and it's just it's so weird because, you know, we get we'll be playing our butts off and then, you know, at the end of the song, it's dead silent, you know, because there's nobody there. It's, it's weird. It's hard to draw that energy, you know, but, uh, you know, we try to bring the music to the people, man, because people need it right now, too. And something we spoke about last time on the show, Devon, was, of course, the age of the Hammond organ and looking after them. And obviously your own one, you travel around the U.S. with and you maintain it yourself. What's it like going overseas? Obviously, I assume you don't take your own Hammond organ. Do you have to borrow or how does that sort of process work with a Hammond organ abroad? 
Uh, well, when we play in Europe, generally, uh, well, pretty much we, we have backline, like they rent the organs for us. But when we play in the States, uh, we, we, most of the time we play, uh, we bring, I bring my own, you know, it's, it's a tough man. It's a tough instrument because, you know, a lot of backline companies, there's not a lot of people that play the foot pedals anymore. You know, there's, there's a handful of cats, Um, but most people just play the keyboard part and not the pedals. So that's been the biggest issue is like these backline companies will rent out the organ and they check the keys, but they don't check the pedals. And I'm a pedal player. I have to have those. And so like, you know, I show up and there's notes missing on the bass pedals and, you know, it's just like people don't take care of them. And so that's been an issue for, for apparently ever. <laughs> I talked to some old school organists and they said, man, we've been battling that since the 70s. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, um, I bring my own and we just, we drive everywhere. Sometimes we'll fly the guys and I will drive the gear to the first location and we'll start the tour from there. But man, it's like, there's nothing like the sound. And, uh, we've had some crazy, crazy load-ins. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 uh, we always ask it like what the load-in is with the, with the club. And sometimes you get like, Oh, it's fine. Or, you know, it's like something like that. And you get there and there's like four flights of stairs. Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That actually happened to, we played this club in Atlanta, like, uh, and uh, we asked him, what was the load in at? Oh, yeah, you just, you just come right in and just, you know, you just go up a couple of stairs. And we're like, all right, a couple of stairs, that's fine. So we pull up to this club, we get out, we go walk in the door. And the first thing you do is like three flights of long stairs. I was like, really? A couple of stairs? (laughs) (laughs) Just a small flight. (laughs) Yeah, it took six of us to get that thing up there. <laughs> <laughs> we have some small venues around near us, and you sort of think, how on earth are they going to get this equipment down these alleyways and things like that, you know? So, Delvon, how do people get hold of you, and where do they find all the details online about the Delvon Lamar organ trio? Well, if you go to DLO3 Music, that's D L O, the number three music.com and you can get to all that's our official website and you can get to all our social medias uh our stores and pretty much look at pictures of beautiful delvon lamar organ trio the handsome the handsomest guys you've ever seen I say we'll share all the social media stuff on our Facebook page, Delvon, and all of our social media feeds, and hopefully be seeing you very, very soon, looking to try and get down to the gig in London in April, so hopefully see you then, and thank you very much for coming to the show this afternoon. All right, thank you, man, and uh, we will be there. And look forward to it. Take care, Delvon, and we'll speak to you soon. All right, you have a good one. And it's always a pleasure talking to Delvon, a real nice guy, and looking forward to seeing what they do as a trio next year. So that finishes up my shows in here on the Face Radio for 2022. Thank you for your company over the past year, and thank you to everyone who's listened to the show, interacted with it, and just generally been there. It's been a great year, and looking forward to being here for 2023. I'm going to round up this year's shows and playing you two remixes of two artists that I managed to see here in Cambridge. Real bucket list things that I never considered would even be possible even just a few years ago. So they are Dinah Ross and Nora. 
Nile Rodgers in, in a way. I'm going to play you Dimitri from Paris Remixes. I've done a Ross is the Boss and then Sister Sledge and Lost in Music, the Dimitri from Paris Remix. So enjoy your New Year's, whatever you get up to, and I'll see you here on the 3rd of January. Take care, and I'll see you then. Who's giving the orders? Who's running the show?
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.